Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, it was a very tough experience. Around two thirty-one, I've never had so much pain, and my legs just stopped working the way that they should. It was it was very strange. I felt like I was running with someone else's legs. Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plot. And here's your host, Jake Lowe. Welcome to the show. This is Running with Jake. The podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. And we are fast approaching the turn of the year. 2022, it is upon us. No doubt you are busy setting some lofty goals. This is actually throwing me a little bit, Pete, because we're recording this before Christmas, but we're playing it out in between Christmas and New Year, aren't we? Is that right? So people listen to the show now. They will have had Christmas, won't they? It's, it's right, it was, and so will we. We'll, we'll have had Christmas as well. But at the moment, when we're yeah. recording this, this is before. This is actually the 21st, because we just thought we want to have a little bit of a Christmas and New Year break. And I'm, what I'm trying to do mm. is I'm trying to get into the mindset of what I'll feel like when this actually goes out. So this will go out just before New Year, won't it? Like you say, between Christmas and New Year. So I'm trying to get into the mindset of what I'll feel like. Right now, it's hard to do that because I'm doing that thing where I'm doing all that work up until Christmas so you can have a few days off. I would imagine I predict, and I don't know how you're going to be with this, but I predict that I'll have a couple of days off over Christmas which will become three or four um, by which time I'll be really bored and then I'll be I'll be like, what do I do? What I need to do some, what, what can I, what I haven't even got anything to do because I did it all before Christmas so I guess that's where I'm going to be when this goes out. Well I do I had, a, I had a great Christmas. It was it was wonderful. Um, I ate a lot of food, which Martina mm. cooked. She's a very good cook, my girlfriend. So that was that was fantastic. We had a brilliant run on the morning, Christmas morning. We got <laughs> out you? there really early. Yeah. It was it was not snowing, but it had that kind of Christmassy feel to it. A little bit of mist, you know, that kind of thing. We got on the off road, which was awesome. Quite a lot of kind of cow poo and stuff running through the fields. Martina, honestly, she lost a shoe in one of the muddy bogs, which happens. <laughs> I have a, actually a little technique, a little tip, which I which I said to Martina on Christmas Day when we got back. You know, if you do like your off road running and you end up like running through. Well, let's face it, cow shit. It does happen. The best way to get rid of the smell of cow shit hmm. is rub your toes with a lemon. Just is that like right? Half a lemon. Yeah, no, apparently it works. Honestly, it does, it does okay. work. I had that okay. on Christmas morning, mate. Mm. Well, Christmas afternoon, that's what we were doing. I was watching Martina. She was in the bath rubbing her foot with a lemon. I mean... How bizarre. What a weird day that is. <laughs> For the show notes and video content... Go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. Today's guest is sub 220 marathon runner Tony Payne. Tony's not only a super fast guy, he is very honest and open, and it was awesome catching up with him to not only hear about obviously the great achievements that he's had throughout his running career, but also those frustrations, the things that haven't gone to plan, and how he's learned from them, what he's learned, and how he's bounced back. Tony, welcome to the show. Good to chat to you this morning. Look, we've got to set the scene a little bit here, not just for our listeners, but also for myself and Pete. I'm a little bit confused. What, where are you in the world? I can't. Are you, are you are you in the UK? Are you not in the UK? I can't keep up with you, man. What's where are you? A little bit of a jet setter. I'm I'm currently in Nottingham, which is um, now my my home. Um, which is was I didn't see that coming to be honest. From a, a 
even 12 months ago. Cool. Know it well. I know the East Midlands well. So what's what's the story then, Tony? Where, where are you from originally? I mean, you, you say that you didn't expect to find yourself in Nottingham, which I want to ask you about if that's okay, but where, where are you from originally? I'm from Dunedin, New Zealand, so pretty much uh, the furthest city. I think it's, if you went through the centre of the earth, it's as far away <laughs> from, from Nottingham as possible. <laughs> Moved to London about five years ago, um, and then uh, to Knott's middle of last year um, because my girlfriend got a job here. However, I do have a bit of Thai heritage, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this, so I'm now representing Thailand on the, on the running side. I mean, it's, it's crazy. What an interesting character we have on the show today. I'm really excited about this. By the way, I, I, just to say, Tony, I'm very impressed. You're settling in well. Although you didn't expect to find yourself in Nottingham, you just referred to it as Knott's. You're like a local. Thank you. <laughs> Talking about your interesting heritage and obviously the connection with, with, with Thailand, how, how did that all come about? How did you find running? You know, I'm really interested to know. I've been running since I was 14 competitively. Um, so this was like a quite common story. Like it was the first school cross country I tried to give a good go um, and do quite well. This is in New Zealand. Um, from there you roped into the school team. But I wasn't very good at school until my final year where I decided to actually train a bit more seriously. Like, I honestly, I was, I was rubbish at school until my um, my final year. For way of example, my first national cross-country in New Zealand, there was about 200 starters. I finished, like, 160th or something. I worked my way up to seventh form where I was like, OK, I'll do a bit of training. And I managed to finish second in the national road race is something we have in New Zealand. And from there things started to improve. We're a, a quite a similar club scene to, to the UK. Once I started running, I've, I've had a real passion for it and, like, it's it's really been the, a, a very central aspect and pillar of Pete, running. I love the way you phrase that and you say it's kind of central to you. What what do you get out of running? The other thing about me as well is I'm a, a qualified lawyer and I've, I've I dab- managed to dabble in a bit of full-time running as well. But running for me, it gives me a lot, like, another focus in life outside of the career we're always looking for for purposes in life and um work stuff's really good as well but the the running i I just that that's that journey of um self-improvement and working towards a goal i found very um fulfilling it's one of those things as well you can do it from your front door so it's very time efficient so it's i don't think there's many sports where you can be super competitive at, at an elite level and work Full time. It's that accessibility, isn't it? Trainers aren't out the door, of course, if you want to explore and go a little bit further afield, maybe long runs at the weekend, you jump in the car or on public transport and you you know, you explore new new territory. But tell me about the full time kind of running thing. I mean you mentioned being a lawyer. When were you full time? Are you full time now? And how do you how did you balance it when you weren't full time? At the moment I'm back working. There was a bit COVID driven, but also a good opportunity came up and I currently Heading up a, um, a legal part of a of an esports startup, which is quite quite fun and challenging, but we're working remotely, so that um, makes it a bit easier to balance the training. But um, I'll give you a bit of history. So when I started practicing law, I was in a big law firm in New Zealand, one of the biggest ones, and I was able to train in the morning. And then I knew I always had that until like eight thirty, and then I didn't know when I finished work. Sometimes it would be like the middle of the night, <laughs> like. And then I'd, I'd run home. So it was like at midnight or like two in the morning, I'd always run home. But then with that, the running performances weren't very good because I was very stressed. And I was, I was, I was running 
Well, I was still good. Like I was, I was like mid two twenties to high two two twenties marathon runner, which is good, good club level. And then I moved to the UK and got a job, still working in the legal realm, a bit less stressful, a bit more time, and a bit of changing of a training philosophy as well. Meeting some guys over here. I think the stress was the bit, the the big part, which um, which makes things difficult. It makes you takes a lot out of you. So a less stressful job. And uh, the running really kicked on um, to where I guess my breakthrough run was uh, 2017 Berlin. I broke 220 for the marathon for the first time, um, which was a, a lifetime goal for me, which was, to be honest, was probably my, my well, it's right up there with our running memories, breaking 220 for the first time there. Wow. What impact do you think psychological stress has on your physical performance, so training and racing. And how do you personally, Tony, how do you respond to stress? So if you know you're in a stressful situation, be that work or otherwise, what do you do? Do you kind of just grit your teeth, grin and bear it, crack on with the training, push harder, or do you back off? How do you how do you manage it? This is something that I've had to think about over my running career. So I've been running for, well, working and running for about 10 years. I used to think... I was bulletproof and I'd try to, you know, like, like I said, I was running in the morning before working all, all day and night at a law firm and think I could I could do well. And I did reasonably well. But I think you just need to take into account the your life as a whole and your um, and your your situation. Because these things can lead to injuries as well. And I, I, had a, I had a run of bad injuries over the last... 18 months where I think everything kind of just like piled on and there's research that there's, that has people doing like workouts after doing like a, some mental tasks and their performance is, is significantly worse and like you, you know we get to the end of the day I mean, of our own work days and it's quite hard to run after work so I think you really need to you know f- for me like practically it's like targeting the weekends when you might have a lower stress environment but yeah i'm always running so i'm always obviously quite fit and it's, it's a good feeling absolutely and it's consistency isn't it you know you don't want those breaks out from your training where you build up to a great level but then you've you've pushed too much you've overtrained you end up injured sideline you're losing a bit of fitness you get back running okay you don't go back to square one but you take a few steps backwards maybe more than you would like more than is beneficial for maybe a target you've got coming up so it is that consistency it's king it's it's not always easy to get right to get that balance and i think it's so individual for different people isn't it do do you self-coach or do you work with a coach tony is my first question and secondly how do you monitor or rather avoid overtraining do you have methods of monitoring yourself or structuring your training so that you don't that you avoid the risk of injury at the moment i'm self-coached i i used to work with a coach in new zealand um i just like the flexibility of setting my own training and i i I like that responsibility but on the on the the other side of the coin is i think the most important part for a coach at the elite level is to tell you to back off. I used to do stuff like see how many kilometres I could run in a month. So I, one month I ran like 1,000 kilometres just as a personal challenge so just to see if I could do it. wouldn't do that anymore, but it was like um, silly stuff like that. Now, because of, I've had um, I'm a little bit wiser, um, had some injuries, if I start to feel tired and burnt out now, I'm not, I'm not afraid of having a day off where... You know, it used to be like 
I compulsively just had to run every day. Is, it, is marathon <laughs> your thing? It sounds like you're pretty passionate about that distance. Obviously, a, a great achievement in, in Berlin, and you've mentioned it a few times, kind of where, where you were level-wise. Is is that your is that your target? Yeah, I think by virtue of lack of ability over any other distance that's <laughs> the marathon. Like my my times over the shorter stuff, like it's they're all right, but like I so my conversion from a half marathon to a full. And I've really tried to run fast half marathons before. My best half is one oh seven oh five. And then my marathon PB is two sixteen fifty six. So I don't have a lot of speed, but I, my endurance is it's pretty decent. What worries me about that is I think I might be quite good at the long, longer stuff than the, the marathon, but I just can't be bothered <laughs> doing that. <laughs> so I stick with the marathon for Marathons now. take enough training, don't they? But it's a great point you make because we tend to, I often say this, we, we tend to enjoy the things in life we feel we're okay at or better at than certain other things. I'm sort of swimming a bit at the moment, Tony, kind of just to mix up things a little bit, a bit of cross training, coming back from a calf injury, I'm much better now, but I was using, you know, the pool to kind of get that training hit and whatnot, but I don't love the pool and swimming, but guess what? I'm not that great at it, you know, whereas if you feel you're better in other areas, that tends to be where you kind of want to spend your time, I think for most people anyway. Tell me about this year. You've had some disappointments this year from what I understand. Last year I had some time off. Um, I had a sacral stress fracture, so that's a pelvis which was like a real wake-up call in terms of training load and diet. I probably wasn't eating enough, which is something I'd never mm. thought about. So I went into this year uh, with a lot less mileage. And then we had um, was the, there was the Olympic qualification period for this year. And then I, I went on this crazy mission to be like, okay, I have to try, at least have to try to, to qualify for the for the tire team. I think I got pretty fit and I went into Wrexham. It wasn't Wrexham. It changed from Wrexham to, to Cheshire Marathon and I was possibly around PB shape, but I went out and tried to run 2.11. Wasn't that fit. Had the worst marathon experience of my life. Um, I just, I think I was underdone a little bit, but at the same time, a little, <laughs> a little bit overdone in a way. It was like, I didn't have enough mileage behind me and I tried to do too many workouts. Um, it was a very tough experience. Around 2.31, I've never had so much pain and my legs just stopped working the, the way that they should. It was it was very strange. I, I felt like I was running with someone else's legs. But then I was like, okay, I'll give it another go. And um, one month later, I, I I tried another marathon. But this was mainly like, this, I didn't go into this thinking I'll try to run the Olympic standard. It was like... So like for sponsors and stuff to to try to try to get a good performance on the board, um, and I ran a race in in, uh, in Austria called the S Seven Marathon, which was on a stretch of um, motorway. It was it was quite undulating, and it was and it was all, it was unfortunately in a, quite a big storm. But I proved that two thirty one to two twenty two, which is an improvement, and um, I was I was quite happy with that given the context of the marathon. And four recovery. weeks later, I mean that's. That's um, some going. If if you you yeah. felt like you were running with somebody else's legs in in Chester, that's uh, some serious recovery. I still felt dead when I started the one the, the four weeks later. You're not um, selling marathons to anybody was, listening was, that's thinking of stepping up from the half marathon distance. <laughs> Just picking back up on on Chester and your experience there. So the, not to uh, to make you relive that over this festive period. We want, we want to talk positivity, of course. But you know, when you were in that race, I'm really interested to know. 
You were targeting a time. The time was perhaps a little bit ambitious. Did you know it was ambitious going into the race or did you feel that it was realistic? And secondly, in the race, when did you realise it wasn't on? Some of my best ever workouts going into it. So I knew it would be a real stretch. And like I knew it was possible, but it was a stretch. Like I, I, I ran like an unofficial half PB, like just on the garments. So who knows what that means? I ran like one... It was 106 something and then I and then like 10 days out I did a workout around half an hour around 305 306 per k I was like okay it's possible but then when I started the race I I can't sometimes it's just not your day but I never envisaged that it was going to turn into a uh like a 230 type run like I thought okay, it might be a stretch, I might die a bit, and i probably still run a PB or, like, if I'll blow up to, like, 220 or something. Um, but, yeah, that was that was an experience where, uh, like, I knew at about 5K I was in trouble, um, but then everything just kind of shut down. But I, I had DNF'd um, two marathons before that, and there were two championships. There was the Southeast Asian Games, which is a regional championship, and that was because of injury. And I DNF'd um, the World Championships in Doha in 2019, um, also because of a, an injury, but more of a minor one. So I went into this one thinking, I'm going to finish this no matter what. Like a professionals would say, if you blow up like that, DNF, you don't want this black mark of an awful time next to your name. You'd rather have a DNF there or no result. Um but there was I I was I just had to to finish that one because it was I couldn't have three DNFs in a row. Just it was just a it was a personal internal battle to get to the end. I was I was quite proud I did that to be honest. Yeah, I guess it's easy just to kind of think, well, I've done it before, so things aren't going to plan today, and it's almost like that. Not not necessarily a go to, but you know it's there. It's a card that you could play, and I guess, like you say, you wanted to break that habit. I really appreciate you sharing that because it's not always so easy to talk about these things. They're not particularly positive experiences. On the back of that, on that subject, are you able to take some positive things from there? Some learnings that you can use to plot the path forward. Massively, like the Chester Cheshire Marathon. That was that was really tough, but I managed to stick it out. I really took away from that it's like if you're in a bad situation you can grit your teeth and get through it so often as well where you go into a race where so with with the covid restrictions people had quite a long run-up to towards events and we saw lots of amazing performances because people were able to to focus 100 on their training and not have have racing going on but what what can happen is that you train too hard for an event and have like a, a super long marathon build up and um, I think I've made that mistake before you have a bad experience and you can you can learn from it I, I, I could segue into the second half of the year from from that as um, I had a bit of a commercial arrangement with the, the Thai tourism board to run to run the London Marathon wow. they were like we'll sponsor you and I was like great I didn't really want to target London but I was like I'll do it as a bit of a training run Rotterdam was was my main goal. London, I trained for about six weeks. And then I got to the start line and I hadn't tapered at all. The race started and I felt, what like, amazing. And the plan was to, to run it as, like, my last big marathon workout for Rotterdam, which was three weeks later. So I ran 25K with the 214 group and then kind of half shut it down and ended up running... 
two hours 20. I thought to myself, that was off six weeks of training, really focused, dedicated training. Let's see what we can do over the next two weeks, um, have a bit of recovery, and then Rotterdam, I was burnt out because I probably threw in this, this London marathon in the middle. I didn't focus enough on recovery afterwards. But from what I took away from that is that you can you can get super fit off a, off shorter... You know, sometimes a shorter runway is better. Rotterdam was too long of a runway. When you have too much time leading to an event, you can be overdone. I, I really get that, actually, Tony, and I see it quite a lot, and I think I've done that previously with, with marathons. The, the sheer nature of the race distance, 26.2 miles, it demands serious commitment but actually you can start this build-up way too soon i mean this this whole 16 week thing is often banded around the 16 weeks marathon training and we know that you kind of you don't just rock up to the start of a 16 week program having not ran or not done much you need the base level of conditioning and all these things and i know it's different for different people but you can go too far i think i've I've had a few experiences like that actually tony where i you know the classic phrase of peak too soon and then you're just kind of hanging on and there's some fatigue in there for the following weeks and then you're just not at your best come the marathon day and you you sort of have to learn the hard way and I think that's sometimes, I don't know, in some respects it's the beauty of the marathon that it it, it makes it a really really special event because as you touched on earlier, you can't just kind of drop these in you know, regularly. I know you've done some pretty close one as a training run leading up to Rotterdam, but you you can't do it regularly because it's twenty six point two miles. You're not going to race it every week or whatever. So the, we put a lot of pressure on these things, don't we? Tell me about Rotterdam then. So obviously you'd done London and you did this great training run off the back of a relatively short kind of block. How did things unfold in Rotterdam? London felt like a jog, and I ran two twenty. I was like, okay, Rotterdam is going to be a good one. And then uh, didn't focus on recovery enough after London. And one week after London, I probably did my best marathon workout ever. And the other guys I was training with as well, um, it was a guy, Callan Moody, who's a 211 guy, a guy, Reese Edwards, who's around 213. Um, kept up with them. I was like, okay, this is great. Went into Rotterdam. I was not recovered. So it was a lesson to really respect the marathon. Even London 42k training run is still a marathon. So all that talk about not DNFing earlier, I did <laughs> DNF'd Rotterdam. I was just so cooked at um, 20, 25k. I'd, uh, the, the motivation was gone and I, I decided to, to stop. I probably could have finished that one, but it was just wasn't my day. Um, but that's, that's the marathon sometimes. And, you know, like, London was actually such a great experience that I, even with a, a 2.20, it showed what was possible in the future. So I can go into my goals um, next year. You know, I did that 2.20 at London, feeling pretty good. So I think um got something on my that, That's great, isn't it? Before before I ask you about this, it's, it's, it's that, well, actually, look at what I did do in London, even though it wasn't the, the race of my life. You know, like you said, you, you, it sounds like you backed off a little bit there and you came into 20, you, a time you were proud of, but not the dream time in, kind of, in terms of the next kind of goal for you. But it gives you confidence. I think a lot of people listening to this should, should bear that in mind and use that. Kind of cast your mind back. If you do a race and it doesn't go to plan for whatever reason, it might not be your day, the weather might not be that great. You know, it could be a number of reasons. Just a hilly course, hillier than perhaps you thought. You know, that can often happen. Somebody says, oh, it's relatively flat and you get there and it's not as flat as you thought. That can hinder your time. But look back at either a race or a training session you've done where you think, well, I, I did that. Because I think as well, Tony, some people kind of, they often fall into the trap of putting good 
sessions that they've done in training, kind of just down to almost a bit of potluck, a bit of fluke. They deny responsibility. It's like, oh, I don't know how I did that. You know, kind of the the the, the recreational runner like myself. Well, you did it. You did that session. You extracted that performance. This is there, just like with you in London. So you casting your mind back, I think it can give you confidence. What do you think the role of confidence is in, in, in performing well in training and racing? Is that something that you try to, do you try to get into a confident headspace? Confidence is something you learn over over time, I think, in running because you, you, the confidence is, as you say, is casting your mind back to, to the work that you've done. Um, and what you, what you raised there is such an important point. I see it all the time amongst my peers, like they run really well, then they're often thinking of the, the next the next performance and you don't let that, what you've done, soak in. Um, whether it be a training run or, or a race, um, obviously the, the racing is the, the important part for a lot of people. But yeah, it's, it's something you should, you, you should re- reflect on and savour those moments. Um, I think it's important to do that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, we're talking about it's great to, to talk to you because a wealth of knowledge and experience but you're still learning now and that's what I love about this chat you're sharing things that you know be it mistakes or different ways of working or different kind of levels of awareness or maybe I was a little bit overcooked there maybe I need to just be kind of less less trained almost so I can extract the performance on the day but you're constantly learning I guess a change I've made recently and I sort of try to encourage some of my runners to get into this sort of similar headspace is if you're chasing time and I think it's slightly different at your level Tony when you know you you're looking at qualifying for big events and things on the world stage I think if you're just looking at registering I say just but looking at a race you want to sign up for it and you want to achieve a a target time as I do what I try to do now is get in that shape so I want to be in that pace shape on the day of the race whatever that that pace may be that target if everything goes to plan on the day of course then I can extract that and hopefully you know that performance I've put in training built in training and hopefully it'll result in the time that I want but if I don't for any reason if it's not my day all the things that we've mentioned I can still personally take confidence from the fact that because of various sessions I've done and maybe some tune-up races in that training period that block I know that I'm in that shape and it gives me that confidence to move forward. It also helps me kind of relax my mind a little bit, Tony. Does that make some sense? I don't, I don't put so much pressure on, oh, my God, you know, Manchester Marathon, I've got to achieve this time. I sort of view it with a slightly more relaxed attitude. Talking of goals, what does what does the future look like for you? You've got something up your sleeve. Can we ask about this? Next year, so the, this is the Thailand thing. Um, it's quite exciting because I have the opportunity to compete in some different events. Um so next year we have the South East Asian Games, which is supposed to be about now, but it's postponed because of COVID. So that's in uh, Hanoi, Vietnam. Um, so that's Southeast Asia, which uh, traditionally not the strongest marathon block of country. So that's quite exciting for me because I'll have an opportunity to possibly win that one. Um, and it's quite a big deal um, in Thailand. It gets quite a bit of coverage. Um, so that's a, yeah, pr- presents a pretty exciting opportunity. And then following on from that, in September, there's the Asian Games, which are in China. Um, we'll see how we're going with, with COVID and things. But that is, I would say it's a similar level of coverage to the Commonwealth Games here. But the the field is much stronger than the Southeast Asian Games because we, have, of course, have Japan. China's really strong in the marathon now. And then you have the oil-rich Asian countries where they essentially have teams of... Um, 
Kenyans and Ethiopians, which made things quite difficult for me. <laughs> but but um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. The first time I ran for Thailand was at the Asian Games in 2018. I finished uh, in eighth place. I'll claim seventh because the guy in second has since been done for doping. <laughs> um, so if I can run a better than uh, seventh place uh, at the Asian Games... It's so awesome. different, isn't it? Racing for position rather than racing for time. That's just... I love it. Do you, do you, have you got that competitive streak in you? You must have, Tony. When you when you're seeing other competitors and stuff, and you know you're chasing chasing somebody down, do you do you do you thrive on that? Big time, and especially like my time's two sixteen. I like to think I can run a bit quicker than that, but I'm not at the the upper echelon. So I'm I line up at the the Asian Games, and there'll be guys with PBs of from two oh four possibly to ranging out to you know the two tens, two elevens, two twelves, and on that day. I'll beat if I run well. I'll I'll beat a chunk of them because on on the day like championship pressure does things to to people. So I I relish that I'm there. I'll be there as someone who's working full time, running quasi full time. And I'll, I'll relish that challenge. See who I can scalp on the day. And like um, I'll pace myself and try to um, you know, if see if you see some some vests in front of you, you've got oh, I know that guys run. Guys around two oh nine are going to chase him down. It's pretty exciting. So, I'm good man. And what does your girlfriend think to this? Does, does she does she run as well, Tony? Does she is she part of your form part of your support network? She is my number one supporter. Um, she she looks like a runner, but she does, she doesn't run. She gets asked that all the time. For lack of a better term, I drag her around the world to running events. She's there as my um, my mental coach. She she's very important to what I do. Um, so her name's Julia. She's my number one supporter, and a, yeah, so she'll she'll listen to this and she'll appreciate well, I, these I, words. I think it's only it's fair a, to be honest, Tony, that you uh, you drag Julia around the world. I mean, she drag your ass to knots. That's why you're there. So I think I think it's about balance. <laughs> That's, it's about balance. Well, yeah, well, yeah. you said it, not me. <laughs> Tony, it's been a pleasure chatting to you today. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us and, importantly, where you're going to go. Wish you the best of luck. No doubt we will catch up in the future. But before we let you go, I do have one final question to ask you on the show. Tony, this is your weekly dose of running motivation. We ask all of our guests this question. What does the word motivation mean to you? Motivation means working towards a goal. Having it's working towards a goal and having real purpose working towards that goal, and that gives you that internal drive to, to get out the door and put the shoes on. Tony, I love it. You've certainly got that internal drive firing away. Have a great rest of the day. Catch up soon. Thanks, guys. Running with Jake, the podcast. Stop right there. Hang fire. I know what your game is. I know what the big game is. You are planning on registering for every race under the sun because New Year's fast approaching. You feel like you've eaten too many mince pies. You want to put right your wrongs and you're signing up for everything. Well, just hang fire. Don't spend all your money on race registrations. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because Pete has a little announcement. Now, this is big news. This is new news. He's never mentioned this before. This will come as a total shock to you. But Pete has a great idea. It's not big news. It's not new news either. All it is, is it's a way in which you can pay for the podcast if you want to pay for the podcast. You don't have to pay for the podcast. But I I have had messages saying, oh, guys, how do I, uh, you know, I need to give back to you guys. I need to get, I really enjoy what you're doing. I need to give back, yada, yada, yada. What we do is is we try not to run rubbish adverts on this show. We do our best not to run rubbish adverts because we don't want to be corporate sellouts. What we want to do is we've created this community 
community and you know we've got loads of listeners to the podcast which is great and the podcast costs us a little bit of money every month which is not so great but thankfully people are really willing to help us out now like I said you know the podcast is free it's always free you're always going to get the content for free we're not going to become corporate sellouts unless someone's willing to give us a lot of money for that realistically but you know we're not going to become corporate sellouts it's not going to happen so with that in mind um obviously it has to be paid for somehow and uh, if you if you are willing to if you've got a few coppers and you're willing to to pay for the the content then feel free uh, go and check out runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast and just click on the patreon banner at the top there you can give us a few quid every month if you want um you don't have to though because if you haven't got the money to spend on it then don't spend the money on it spend the money on your stuff do your bills do all that kind of stuff but just know that somebody else is paying your amount and they are our brilliant patrons so thank you to the patrons and everybody who's given us a few quid during 2021 as well talking of coppers you know, I've still got a giant Coca-Cola bottle. It's a, it's a money box, a money bottle, if you will. And there's mm. like a load of, I say a load of coppers in there. There's like a very thin layer at the bottom. Well, I had it, I think, when I was about 12. I still have it. There's, I've not added to it. I don't have money anymore. I just, do people mm. deal with money anymore? I mean, if you can't pay with Apple Pay. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I can't buy it. I have no other means. I have no other means. Even more so. Do you know what happened to me the other day? Somebody gave me a cheque. And you're going, that's just a, a check. A check. What's that about? I'd rather have cash. So there you go. We don't accept checks or <laughs> facts or I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, let's get off this subject. Yes. We're not on the scrounge. This is a running show. We're all about helping you, providing you with a bit of motivation to get out there and bank some miles. It's now time to take another one of your questions. It is hashtag ask jake today's question comes from lauren who wants to know if it's a good idea to finish fast at the end of a long run she's got some friends that she knows does this from following their strava and she wants to know if she should should include these fast finishes in her training lauren fast finishes on a long run can be really useful they can be good for mental strength it can help you uh, to understand what's required in the latter stages of a of a race when your legs are tired to extract that performance to drive on to find another gear however you do need to proceed with caution because of course the faster you run the more force the body is under and that's fine but remember at the end of a long run when there's potentially quite a bit of fatigue in the body already the last thing you want to do is put the body under more stress and then risk injury so it's important to make sure that you are of uh, sound physical health there's no kind of niggles or injuries that you're nursing and also like with most things with in with running where it's new a new way of training or a new intensity build it up gradually so you don't necessarily need to go from your typical uh, long run pace for let's say eight miles for example and then the last two miles it needs to be a sprint you need to run as fast as you can you don't just aim at very gradually picking up the pace just a bit maybe in the last five minutes and you could extend that to the last 10 last 15 maybe up to 20 as a maximum but the difference between your regular long run pace and the fast finish doesn't need to be drastic above all have fun with it stay safe and don't forget to let me know how you get on if you've got a question it's hashtag ask jake or drop me an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com this concludes the final episode of 2021 of Running With Jake, the podcast. We will be back next year. That still sounds very odd. Pete, what are you doing for New Year? Any exciting plans? Um, no, nothing at all. Um, I'll probably sit down, have a glass of port and um, uh, watch 
some fireworks on the telly or something like that. Hey, you've got a half marathon relay to be training for. Better get your shoes on, boy. Oh, what? Have a great new year. Have a great week of running. See you soon. Oh, and one more thing. Comparison is the thief of joy.